0: Shari, the podcast, co-hosted by the Governance Program at the al Khan University and
1: the International Society for Islamic Legal Studies in cooperation with the University of Ber. Welcome to a new episode of Shari, the podcast. My name is Serena Tolino,
0: and my name is Gianluca Parolin.
1: In this episode, we are delighted to have as a guest Hadi Kazwini from the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. Welcome, Hadi.
0: Thank you very much. Welcome, Hadi. What do you like to do in your free time?
2: So I'm fortunate to live in a very beautiful part of the world in Southern California, just off the coast of the Pacific Ocean. And so my family and I very much enjoy spending time together on the several beautiful beaches that we have here. And, you know, we're very fortunate to have really beautiful weather year round. So that really helps with uh, enjoying nature.
0: And this is why you're coming to London for the conference, isn't it?
2: Yes, yes. That is exactly why. To experience a little bit of different weather. We have summer all year round here. So I have to remember that there are other seasons. But May is a nice time to come to London, I think.
1: Indeed, yeah, but you're really making me jealous because you know, I live in Switzerland, so beaches are really not an option. I mean unless beaches on the lake and on the rivers, okay, but real beaches are really not an option here. Yeah, so yeah,
2: yeah, but you you have beautiful mountains, so
1: yeah, that's true. you're right. yeah. Okay, Hadi, tell us what have you been working on mostly of
2: your career? So I have a background in both academic and traditional Islamic studies for pursuing my PhD at the University of Southern California. I spent about six years at the Islamic Seminary in Qom, in Iran. There I specialized in the various traditional disciplines of Quranic studies, Hadith studies, philosophy, theology, legal theory, law, as well as Arabic and Persian. And so I'm very much interested in all things related to Islamic thought, but I'm really, you know, more interested, especially in the intersections of theological and legal thought. Um, and so my PhD dissertation studies a legal debate that has strong theological undertones. And this is the debate over juristic fallibility and infallibility or at taqti al You know, when there's disagreement between jurists over a legal question, are all of them correct? Or is there only one that's correct and everyone else is wrong? And so this debate, you know, is it's a legal debate in usul al fiqh in Islamic legal theory. Usually it's discussed in chapters on ijtihad, legal reasoning, but it has very strong theological undertones. So that's, that's my, you know, major area of interest, the intersections of theology and law and Islamic law.
0: And you take that case study to tell a wider story about normativity versus reality.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because... You know, when you when you examine the thought of the proponents of both doctrines, you know, the Musawweba or the infallibilists and the Mukhattia, uh, the fallibilists, you find that, you know, they have many different concerns, most of which we would, you know, in the contemporary period, we would identify as philosophical. You know, they are speaking about, you know, ontology and epistemology. Is there a single truth or are there multiple quote-unquote truths? How do we know that? You know, what are the ways that we know that distinguishing between certainty and probability? And so certainly, you know, there's this wider story of what I call constructions of competing orthodoxies, because oftentimes, you know, when we study Islam, sometimes it is assumed that maybe one school of thought, one legal or theological school of thought is orthodox and others may not be and what I try to do in my project is to show that you have thinkers and schools that were producing orthodoxies that were rivaling one another. So these are competing orthodoxies. So certainly about normativity and about boundaries of religious identity, you know, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, who's in and who's out.
0: And the issue of normativity affects also your understanding of uh, pluralism in yeah. doesn't it?
2: Yes, exactly. One of the things that I uh, uh, explore, and this relates specifically to the project that I'll be uh, looking at in the conference as well, is this idea of Islamic legal pluralism. You know, how do we construct, uh, what is it, you know, what is it made of? And, you know, how have thinkers in the past thought of Islamic legal pluralism? And, And they've done so in different and sort of creative ways. So certainly, yeah.
1: In the paper that you are going to present, you will discuss a bit the difference between what you call historical and sociological pluralism and theoretical and ideational pluralism. Could you maybe tell us something more about that?
2: Yeah, so the paper uh, comes, again, straight out of sort of my larger dissertation project. And in the paper, I revisit this popular assumption, and it's a popular academic assumption. I, you know, we see it oftentimes in works on Islamic law. And the assumption is that Islamic law is essentially pluralistic. It's inherently pluralistic. That's just an an essential feature of the law, you know, across history. So I take this debate over uh, takhtia or tasweeb, juristic fallibility and infallibility, as a case study to show how both what we may call legal pluralism or justified legal disagreement or legal diversity and legal monism, you know, that there is only a single correct legal view, that these are both historical constructs. So we should separate between the fact of historical diversity that throughout history, there were always a set of differing legal views. You had different thinkers who had produced their own views, as well as different schools. That is a historical fact, but we need to separate that from The the construction of uh, legal pluralism as a category, because you did have on the other side another group of thinkers who were not comfortable with this idea of justified legal difference. And when we assume and when we collapse historical diversity with legal pluralism, when we confuse the two, conflate the two, then we're sort of excluding this other group of people who had a very different conception of, of the law.
0: Your focus is clearly on a pre-modern theory, but this debate, especially about monism or pluralism, is very much embedded into the jurisprudence of legal positivism. So in a way, it's a very sort of like modern and contemporary problem. So I wonder if you're also speaking to the contemporary understanding of the legal system as monist, basically.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, anytime we do scholarship, we're always approaching it from a particular concern. So while my concern is the pre-modern thought and period, certainly I'm thinking about how I can develop this project to think about these things in the contemporary and the modern period as well. As you mentioned, Gianluca, these are, you know, debates that are very much out there in the contemporary period. So Certainly. And it even goes beyond law, I think. You know, even when we think of the idea of religious pluralism or theological pluralism, which in the past several decades has gained a lot of attraction. You know, what does it mean to suggest that there is religious truth? And how do we accommodate religious differences between religions, but also within uh, religions? So there's certainly, you know, a lot of potential And it's really fascinating how far-reaching this debate is, that it has something to say about so many different aspects of religious thought uh, generally. And by the way, you know, we know that this is not just the case in Islamic thought. We know that other religious thinkers belonging to other religious traditions also, you know, in the Jewish tradition, you have a very similar debate, you know, in the pre-modern period, very, very similar debate, exactly the same question between, uh, you know, Jewish thinkers about legal pluralism or or legal monism, and so certainly it's a very wide reaching. It's very relevant to various aspects of religious thought in the contemporary period as well.
0: So, in a way, do you think that retrojecting this normative pluralism over pre modern fil? is, in a way, a point in the wider debate over Islamic law in the contemporary time. So then the operation is then retrojecting. So it's not by coincidence or by accident that that happens. So in a way, if you are then responding to that, then where are you taking your project?
2: Yeah, I think you're on the right track, Jean-Luc. I think that's a very insightful point. You know, much of the scholarship, I think especially around Islamic studies in the past several decades, is really responding to a lot of the contemporary problems that we see today and so it's a very attractive notion to latch onto that you know Islamic law is inherently pluralistic it's inherently open to disagreement justified disagreement and so that is very attractive and for the right reasons But I think the problem is that when you assume that that has always been the case, the normativity, I think, is a problem because then it ends up kind of accidentally doing what it does not want to do, and that is exclude a particular train of thought. And also even not understand even the significance of those who were pushing for legal monism. So even when we say that There were those who assumed that there was a single correct answer and that, you know, that you could either attain it, acquire it, or miss it. But their notions of what error was were very creative. So what do you do now? You know, if a jurist is mistaken, is he held responsible or not? Is he culpable or not? They were very creative even in that, you know, there were those who proposed, no, because it is assumed that he engaged in diligent legal reasoning, he intended the truth, he had the good intentions, then he is excused, you know, and so that's also kind of opens up, it's a, it's a, it is also a very expansive notion of thinking about legal difference as well. So I think that you're right, there is a moment in our contemporary period that we're, you know, we're thinking of what does it mean? We see this with other projects as well. What does it mean to be Muslim? Or what does it mean to be Islamic? Right? And how expansive the possibilities of expansive and accommodating, you know, various thoughts and trends and and whatnot. And so, but the problem is when we collapse that with sort of historical constructs is where we, I think, face problems.
1: So Hadi, now I want to bring you back to the past and I want to ask you why you decided for your paper to focus specifically on the period between the 10th and the 11th century.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think that that's a very exciting time where there are a lot of developments. You know, if you're looking at the capital of the Muslim Empire at the time, the Abbasid Empire at the time in Baghdad, there's so many developments going on. In the midst of all of the political turmoil and the changes happening, there's also a lot of development in thought. And I think that at the time, because my project is comparative, I study the debate comparatively across the the various schools, not just between Sunnism and Shi'ism, but also within these schools. And there's just so much great stuff being produced at the time. And so it's a really nice time to put all of these contending thinkers into conversation with one another. And some of them were. Some of them, even if they did not even mention one another by name, you know, if you read them closely enough, you can pretty much tell who they were responding to. So it's a really exciting time to be able to put these competing thinkers in conversation with one another. They were representatives of all of the different theological and legal trends at the time. So,
1: Yeah, I agree. Thank you a lot. Thank you a lot, Hadi. It was a pleasure to have you with us.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, Hadi. I look forward to seeing you soon.